welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, listening to episode 181. It was kind of midday during the spring, and I was walking this property, uh, listening, trying to find some turkeys. I thought I heard some over this, this ridge, and so... I uh, started to walk up over this ridge and kind of look down over this knob, and there was a giant flock of turkeys in the early spring. There was at least four toms in full strut, a bunch of hens surrounding them, and I dropped down to my stomach and tried calling with my mouth, which I had no idea how to do. I'd, I'd left my call back behind me, and these birds went away from me. But I remember I got that on film, and I was just so pumped that I had found turkeys. I like, I just don't think I knew growing up like anything about turkey hunting, how exciting it was, how much they gobble in the spring. You know, I was always just a fall gun hunter and uh, hunting deer. And here, here's this awesome thing that we get to chase in the spring. And so that was where the addiction kind of began for me back in 2014. And then I wrote my buddy Travis Shire into it in 2016. And uh, we've had a lot of great experiences since then. And so we decided to have our buddy Josh Castle join us. Uh, we recorded an episode with those two guys a, a couple weeks ago. And uh, they agreed to kind of do this episode at the same time we recorded then and releasing now. But let's, we talk about how do you get into turkey hunting. We talk about all the things that we've learned about uh, over the last few years of turkey hunting. Josh has been uh, turkey hunting a lot longer than Trav and I. And, and we kind of go into the nitty-gritty details of if you've never turkey hunted or you've just kind of started and you've hit that struggle, we kind of unpack everything that we've we've learned, mistakes we've made. We cover a lot of different topics in this interview. Um, it's over an hour long. If you're a seasoned turkey hunter, I think you'll still enjoy it. Throughout this, we kind of mix in our personal stories, uh, just different stories that kind of uh, prove the point of something that we've learned. And I will say this, we don't claim to be experts in anything. Uh, we've found some success, but there's also been years that we've gotten shut out. Um, there's a lot of people that know probably a lot more than us, but this is just our personal experience. We are hunting in southeast Ohio, hunting hills, uh, so some of this might not apply if you're out on the plains or in the flatlands, but I think the general concepts will will uh, will work for you. I just want to cover real quick, here's what we, we talk about. We talk about what do you need to know about turkey hunting going in, um, expectations. We talk about how to locate turkeys, how to gain permission on properties to hunt turkeys, Hunting public land, Josh has a lot of experience with that. And then we kind of talk about styles of hunting. Nobody explained this to me going in, that there's different ways that you can hunt turkeys. You can sit in a field. You can sit in a blind. You can do gun and run. We, you can hunt from the roost. Uh, reaping, what the heck is that? Is it something you should do? Um, we talk about calls, uh, decoys, how to use them, which ones you should buy. We kind of give our personal recommendations on whether or not you need to spend $300 on a, a great lifelike decoy or not. Uh, we talk about the biggest mistakes that you've made, how to film. We cover a lot of that in this episode. So I'm not going to uh, talk anymore. We're just going to jump in. Hope this is something that helps you out. Here's my good friends, Travis and Josh Castle. All right, guys. Well, joining me again, uh, had them on not too long ago on uh, an episode where we recapped their deer seasons, but I have them on for a completely different purpose this time. I've got my good friend, Travis Shire and Josh Castle. How you guys doing? Oh, good, good. Yeah, I'm. I am excited about today's topic. Are, are you guys? Are you guys ready for it? Yeah, I'm getting there. If it's not, if it's not deer season, it's turkey season. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, like Man. deer season ends on February 5th in Ohio, and then February 6th starts turkey season. Yeah. Have you guys started watching video? Like, we're recording this on uh, February 9th. Have you guys, like, started watching videos and getting into that mode already? I think Josh has been. Yeah, I, I've watched a couple. Yeah, I've been binge watching uh, Shane Simpson uh, turkey hunting. He's that guy's a he's epic. He's amazing turkey hunter. He's like he's like the the turkey whisperer. I think. Yeah. 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 He's. Um, I've seen some of his stuff before, and he has some really good tips and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I love whenever people share their knowledge of what they're doing, and so that's that's a guy that definitely does some good stuff there. So, I think the thing for me that's hard is like I come out of deer season. And I get excited about turkey season, but I have to control it because it's it's not till like the end of April for us. You know, we're not like yeah. the southern states. Like we got to wait till like April twenty. What is it, April twenty second this year? I think. Um, so that's right. a little. That's about two month, two solid months waiting. You know, so I try and control, uh, control all that. But I, yeah, I am starting. I've noticed to it. what I've what I've noticed if I if I see big flocks of turkeys now, they're pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like about the middle of April, those big flocks get like scattered over the countryside, like salt and pepper. Yeah. It seems, it seems if you find one now you find them all, but then yeah. about the middle of April, they're just spread out really well. But yeah. And I think that's the difference between us and Southern hunting in the, in the South, you know, their season comes in a lot uh, quicker than ours does. And so, you know, you start seeing a lot of that content and sometimes you see those giant flocks and it's just like, uh, I've seen that a little bit, but most of the time it's, um, most I think I've ever seen while actually hunting is maybe like four or five birds, you know, uh, flocked up. Usually it's not like giant groups or anything like that. So, yeah. But yep. anyway, well, what I wanted to do today is I wanted to make this episode, um, I think, uh, Trav, you and I kind of started turkey hunting about the same time. Uh, I think you were maybe a year or two after me. And Josh, how yeah, long you got you got me into it. Yeah. yeah. Josh, when did you start turkey hunting? Uh, I think my first year turkey hunting was uh, 2001. Okay. So you've been uh, at it a lot longer than us. Yeah. With my dad, though. So we, we were, my dad wasn't a turkey hunter, but I just went, he took me out one youth season and that was kind of it. Yeah. But I started on my own. Yeah. I started on my own, I think, like 2009. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I'm looking back here real quick. I think for me, 2014. So, yeah, so 2014 was my first year, didn't get anything, and then killed one in my uh, backyard the next year. And then I think, Shire, you and I got into it in 2016 is whenever you started, Yeah, six, I think. 16 things started clicking a little bit, yeah. So... All that to say, um, we have some experience. Uh, we've killed several turkeys. Josh, you have more experience than probably what Trav and I do then. But we wanted to just kind of put together an episode where we just, if you are brand new to turkey hunting or have ever thought about turkey hunting, uh, or maybe you have been turkey hunting for a while, but you kind of been doing the same setup or whatever, we just kind of wanted to cover the whole topic the best that we could in the next, you know, whatever, half hour, 45 minutes, however long we go. And I thought it'd be neat, you know, we're getting close to that time. So you've got time between now and when your season comes in uh, to do some research, do some of the things we talk about. And, and maybe, you know, if you've never turkey hunted, I'd love to hear your story, especially if it comes from, you know, this podcast, maybe helping you out a little bit. And if nothing else, we're going to tell some stories as we do it. And it should be some entertainment. So does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, yeah I'm excited. All right. So here's my first question for you guys. I'm going to grill you. I'll share some of my thoughts here and there as we go. but. Um, Looking back, 
What are some things that you wish you knew <laughs> about turkey hunting before you started turkey hunting? So what are some things if somebody's starting out right now, maybe they, they might have an idea, but they don't know. So what's some, what's one of those things that you wish you would have known back then? Everything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I knew nothing when I started. I, I wish I would have known to stay in the woods past nine thirty because that's when it gets really good. Oh good, yeah. Yeah. That's when it gets really hot and spicy about nine thirty. Yeah. Um, the one I thought of in, in kind of getting ready for this that popped in my head was I wish I had a guy whenever I first started, he explained it to me, but I didn't quite grasp it. He talked about you, you were trying to, with turkey hunting, reverse nature. And <laughs> what he's like, you were reversing nature. He goes, in nature, the tom calls, the hens go to him. And, and what you're doing is you're trying to get the Tom to come to you, which he doesn't want to do. That's not natural for him to do. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more often than not, it's the other way around. And I don't think I really grasped that until even like the last few years. I used to call to turkeys on the roost, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go. I used to call to turkeys on the roost, and they'd gobble, and they'd gobble, and they'd gobble. And then I'd call some more, and they'd gobble, they'd gobble, they'd gobble. And then I'd wait maybe for them to fly down or whatever. they fly down, and then they go the other way. And I'm like, what in the world is going? And I felt like maybe it was my calling or I did something wrong. And I just had to learn. It took me a long time to realize probably what's happening there is there's a real live hen. <laughs> and she has gone to that Tom and he looks down and he sees her from his little branch and he flies down. And then why does he need to come 100 yards or 300 yards to me whenever he's got the real deal right there in front of him? So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I had to learn is that you are, it's really hard to call a Tom to you sometimes because he's calling, expecting you to come to him. And, you know, that's, that's the game that you play. Yeah. One other thing I think I've learned is that the later in the season it gets, they become a little bit more callable, at least on private land. seems like they're, they're a little more eager and desperate the later it gets in the season. And yeah, um, sometimes you, you panic. Oh, I didn't kill my bird the first week. Well, the later it gets into May, it seems like they're a little more available to come in. But, yeah. 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 I think that's true. Sometimes they get desperate and that can be a really good time. And big thing, mm -hmm. I mean, the last thing I'll say before we kind of start at the, the beginning of finding properties and whatnot is you've got to be in the woods, you know, in order to kill turkeys, you know, so you got to mm -hmm. find that time, whether it be in the morning is a great time that I love 11 o'clock to, to one o'clock uh, range. That can be a great time. Um, you know, my first turkey, I, I killed in the afternoon, like one o'clock in the afternoon in my backyard and I have three acres. So you just, you just, you just never know when it can, it can pan out. So that's, I, that's one, one other thing I think I've learned is if you go out to roost a turkey and you don't hear a gobble, they might be there. The best, mm. the best way to, to know if they're there is to listen in the mornings. Um, yeah. I've heard, a, there's been a lot of times that I've not heard a turkey gobble on the roost and then the sun comes up and oh, there's a turkey there. I didn't even know. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, let's, we'll get to roosting. Let's start with this. Oh, yeah. Let's say, yeah. let's say a guy wants to go out and he wants to start uh, turkey hunting. Um, maybe he has some properties. Maybe he doesn't. How do you guys, how do you guys find places to hunt? Where are you hunting? Uh, tell, talk a little bit about that. Um, I would say, I would say to be, to, to begin with in the whole, the new, the whole newness of, of turkey hunting find somebody that is already experienced with turkey hunting, mm -hmm. like find a mentor 
even if they're the same age, they can still be your mentor with turkey hunting. Yeah. That's solid, solid yeah, advice. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. yeah. I went out, um, my, but my dad had a buddy, I think the second or third year, um, I went out with this guy, his name's JD Kearns and amazing turkey hunter, good caller. And I learned so much. I, I think I've been hunting two or three seasons whenever I first hunted with him and just watching how he called. And he showed me how to make this cluck sound on the pot call. And that, that thing has called in more turkeys for me, learning how to make that cluck, you know, just having somebody there that also kind of tells you, you know, when to, and we didn't kill anything that day, but I learned a lot. So that's, that's super solid advice. I think, I think it helps if you're from a small town and you've lived there your whole life. Um, I mean, surely you have some connections in the community, whether it's coworkers or people at church or family members, somebody's, if you, if you, if you dig a little bit, somebody's got to have a piece of property around somewhere that you could probably get some turkeys on. And even if they're deer hunters, a lot of times people don't turkey hunt, even though they deer hunt. I mean, I don't even know what percentages, but it's a small percentage I'd say of deer hunters, turkey hunt. I could, I could be wrong, but right. I, kind, I kind of think that, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, good advice. Um, using those connections and uh, asking around and you don't have to have a ton of property. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a huge chunk because you're doing a calling game with deer, you know, you got to have some sort of way to get them onto your property or whatever. Um, you know, call, I guess you could call a deer onto your five acres, Josh, but you know, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably going to require the yellow gold and you can't use that for turkeys. So you know, that's, that's the calling game. So it doesn't have to be a big chunk. Um, but you can, Josh, tell us a little bit about, uh, would you recommend a first time hunter trying the public land game? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, actually I would, I would highly recommend it because the, the ground is so like there's limitless. There's a, if you can find a big public tract trial and error, you know, if you, if you bump one, if you don't have success, just move on. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're new and interested in turkey hunting, if you're a deer season, uh, sorry, if you're a deer hunter by chance and you've seen them hens in the fall, there's a really good chance that you can go right back to that same spot that you deer hunted mm-hmm. and pick up on a gobbler. There's a really good chance. And if not, um, I would, so I would recommend uh, pre-season scouting. So before season comes in, hike out there, you know, go in the evening time and listen to see if you can hear any turkeys, you know, mm-hmm. gobbling. Mark it on the map and <clears throat> go back in the morning and do the same thing. You can even watch them get down out of the tree and just figure out where they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, quick story on that. Like this past year, um, I've always known that there's this hill, Trav, you, you know, I'm talking about the killing field and yeah, it's, that's pretty much a wide open field, but it, there's a little, it goes down into a valley and then there's a hill up, up there that it's a little wooded lot up there. And we've had birds up there before. In fact, I think we called one from there maybe once for you, Trav. Um, yeah. And I was on my way going past that spot this year with my wife on her very first turkey hunt and a turkey gobbled right up there. And so we went up and um, told that story before. But long story short, 30 minutes, I was able to get that bird to come in after some work. And she killed her first turkey, dropped him at 15 yards. And he was the biggest turkey I think any of us shot this year. Um, <laughs> and. Um, but during my first hunt and several hunts, I hunted back there during deer season because it's just a great funnel. Right in that spot, I saw multiple turkeys. I mean, it was, I think, two different hunts. I saw 
at least six or seven turkeys right in that spot in the fall. So Josh, I, I think you're hitting it. You can find turkeys in the fall, you know, kind of remembering that spot. There's a good chance that you might be able to catch them there in the spring too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I'll share one more thing and then we can ask another question. Um, one thing I did, uh, I've talked about this many times, but maybe you haven't, this is your first episode. Um, I sent out letters a few years ago. And, um, what I did is I just kind of introduced myself, had a picture of me and my, my girls, my family, and talked about how I try and be an ethical hunter and all this kind of stuff and, uh, asked for permission to turkey hunt. And I also threw in there and maybe deer hunt, you know, so I kind of use turkey <laughs> hunting. I care more about probably deer hunting than I do turkeys. And I have several places to turkey hunt already. So I sent out letters and, um, you know, sent them out to, I think, 30, maybe 40 different properties. And I actually got two that said yes. And uh, I haven't killed a turkey on any of those properties just yet, um, but there are turkeys there. I've seen them. It's a place I got up my sleeve, you know, that I can go. And um, so that's yeah. that's one option for you. That, that worked out for me last year. I, I sent out a couple dozen letters and I did get one yes. Um, but in, And the stipulation was you can't deer hunt, but we don't turkey hunt, so you can tur- hunt turkeys here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, I, I think I think people are more likely to say yes, possibly to turkeys. Um, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And one other tactic that does work, I've I've done it with my brother, is if you if you can't get a turkey in the morning and you're striking out, you can get in the car, drive around, find a field full of turkeys, knock on the farmer's door. He says yes. You go out and you shoot a turkey. Uh, that's how my brother and I doubled. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> my brother has so many stories where he just drives around, five, finds turkeys, and makes a move on those turkeys. And um, you know that that that's another way to you know. And then what he always says is he asks for permission just for today. Would you have a problem if I just went out there today? You know, oh, and, just, yeah. and make it be like a one time. And he said so many times, they're like, well, if it's just for today, that's fine. Because they're not committing <laughs> to you being their full time hunter. And he's killed. I can't tell you how many turkeys he's killed that way. So, oh, man. Yeah. Another another tactic. He's, like, right. he's like a he's like a telemarketer for turkeys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got you to gotta sell rainbow sweepers or something like just yeah, for today. Should, can yeah. I tell you about this rainbow sweeper? So. <laughs> oh, All right. So we talked a little bit about, you know, um, uh, gaining access, you know, uh, locating. But once you actually get a permission on a property uh, and maybe you've noticed where turkeys were, uh, Josh, Trav, how do you roost a turkey or put them to bed or locate them? Like what, what's, what goes into that process for you guys? Yeah, Travis. Yeah, I uh... – I guess I've not been big on the roosting game. Um, I think uh, I, I do a lot of observations. Um, some of the properties I can hunt um, are visible from the roads or are they visible without much effort um, to, to see some of the fields. So I'll do some, spend some time driving by. I'm lucky to live pretty close to them. Um, and I've found them, found them that way by just observing. Um, and I, I guess roosting, um, my opinion last year, it was kind of interesting. I, I went out to roost some turkeys and, uh, Josh and I hunted there the next morning, but I, I blew an owl call and nothing gobbled to the owl call, but I could, I heard wing beats and I heard, I was like, that sounds like a turkey flying up in the tree. So we set up about 75 yards from there the next morning. And sure enough, three hens flew down out of the tree right there where I heard them. So, um, I don't know. I, 
I feel like if you want to hear a turkey and know if it's there, like first light in the morning is a good way to just listen in. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been led astray several times with not hearing turkeys in the evening and thinking that they're not there or, and, mm -hmm. and then finding out different in the morning. Um, yeah. But I know some guys that do it very well. So right. I, I, I guess we'll get to it later, but I'm more of a run and gun uh, 9 a.m. to, to 1 p.m. guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Josh, how about you? How do you, how do you locate the turkeys once you got your properties and all that stuff? Uh, so just for me, I mean, in the past, what I've done is like before season ever comes in, like I'll go out there in the evening first. And then because it's easier to go out in the evening, you know, you don't have to wake up at four or 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, to go out and listen. I'm talking about uh, this is uh, before season. So, just go out there and sit, you know, if you sit in the same spot three times and listen in the evening, if you don't hear anything goblin and there's a good chance maybe nothing's there. Uh, what time, what time are you doing this? This is whenever I first started doing that, I didn't know if I needed to go when it was dark or if I needed to go like three o'clock in the afternoon, like what time should you be, say it gets dark, you know, let's say in the spring, probably around what, 6 PM, maybe something like that. Seven. What time do you, maybe not seven, but what time do you, get into the woods and how long do you stay um so so with uh, the regulations you know by law you can shoot a turkey 30 minutes before sunrise and 30 minutes after sunrise yeah i'm sorry after sunset oh i think is that is it right or is it sunset for turkeys i think deer is 30 minutes after um it's, I, I don't it's, know i'm not disagreeing with you i just didn't want, want someone to hear this and and get quoted wrong well, I don't, I'm not sure. And it would depend on your state. So we're not trying to play yeah. a regs, but, but Sorry, with, I didn't mean to I'm, I'm, no, you're good. But yeah. for roosting purposes, so this is before season anyway. So Josh, go ahead. How, how do you, oh, roost? Yeah. right. So yeah, like that, that 30, 30 minutes after sunset area is typically right about the time they start to fly up. Like yeah, right at that last 30 minutes after sunset. Okay. That's good. That's I did not know that going in. I remember one time I went out there and it was like it'd been dark for about an hour, <laughs> and I'm blowing on an owl call and like nothing, not getting any gobbles. Like there might have been turkeys like 20 yards away and they're already asleep. So yeah, it's that last I, I half hour is when they they fly up and usually they'll they might call a little bit there. Um, actually, in fact, they'll call a lot during that time. And then, but once it gets pitch black, that's usually a little late. You guys think? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we. I remember we went out one time, and Shane Simpson used a coyote howl to to get the turkeys to gobble on the roost, and I let loose with a coyote howl, and it sounded like a pack of werewolves. Were, <laughs> yeah, sounded yeah. off. We're, we're like, oh, let's get out of here. <laughs> I remember that. that was, I have that on video. It was a pretty sweet moment. So, <laughs> yeah, the idea with roosting, guys. Um, if you're brand new to this, and maybe we skimmed over this. Turkeys will gobble in the morning. They'll gobble in the evening. Sometimes they'll gobble all day. Um, but with roosting, you can either sit there and listen and be quiet, which is what I kind of prefer to do. I'd rather them do it on their own. Or you can use an owl call. Um, you can use an owl call and do the who cooks for you thing, and you can get a shock gobble out of them. They will sometimes like answer to that call, or even, a, like you said, a coyote call will get them to do it. Um, there's all kinds of things that will get a turkey sometimes to just gobble. But what you're really trying to do with that roosting is pinpoint where are they? Like how close and, you know, where do I need to be in the morning whenever the sun comes up? You know, so that's that's part of it. The other thing, Trav, you and I did was uh, with if you're going to it also depends on your style. And I guess we'll kind of transition into that. 
if you're just going to sit like in a blind or sit on a field, um, that can work, especially if you've seen turkeys end up there. Like the killing field is called the killing field for a reason. And it's because we just every so often we just see turkeys in that field. So eventually you and I figured out, I think year three, yeah. let's just go set up in that thing. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you see turkey somewhere, they're going to be back usually. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, we've set up there and thrown out decoys and I think we've killed at least six turkeys out of that field. You know, it's yeah, just and it a seems great like spot. even if, even if they're roosted three or 400 yards away, they like to end up there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So th that's one tactic, you know, uh, getting in, you know, just kind of waiting them out there. I've heard the old timers tell you patience kills more turkeys than anything else. Um, so, you know, that's one way if you're roosting them, but if you're roosting them, what I've really started to try and do, and Josh, I think you've done this is I've tried to get in close. Um, a couple of my hunts the last couple of years, what I've done is at night I've gone out and roosted, like you said, Trav, even in the mornings better getting there in the morning and listening. So a day before season, uh, this past season, that's what I did is I got in there and I heard these birds on this ridge. And I couldn't get permission right where they were, but I was able to get a permission uh, on a property just above them. And it was only a few acres, but I went over that day in the mid-afternoon and I actually took a rake and I raked leaves up to a spot where I wanted to go so I could get in close and uh, ended up having birds close. It ended up being two jakes, uh, but I didn't care. Two jakes came into my decoys and um, was able to shoot them within the first 20 minutes. And that was awesome. You know, it's, it's so sweet to seal the deal and not have to wait, but that's, it all depends on what your style is and what your property is like. But Josh, I want to go back to you. What What's your tactic whenever it comes to kind of like how close are you setting up? Um, are you playing transition zones? How do, how do you find the turkeys and get on them? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what the terrain is. Like if, if they're out in the middle of the open hardwoods, you can get right in the bubble. They'll fly straight down, you know, straight down. But like if there's a field or something nearby sometimes or, or even a ravine, they'll fly clear across that ravine before they ever uh, touch the ground. So sometimes it's you're, you're better off to set up in a spot where the turkey's going to land closest to you, potentially, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, that's solid. I think that's good advice. And I think with the roost game, what you're really trying to do is figure out where they are. The reason I've started trying to get closer is what we talked about earlier. Is so often I've been calling to a turkey, thought he was interested on the roost, I've also learned don't call to them a whole lot on the roost. Um, that's one one little tip is call to them a few times, get them excited, and then shut up until he flies down. Uh, and a lot of times yeah. you can hear those wings beat. And then once he hits the ground, then I want to call to him. I want to try and get him fired up and make sure he's coming my way. But part of the, the, the reason you want to roost turkeys is because there's these other little birds in the woods called hens. <laughs> those little suckers will ruin a lot of your hunts because – those toms will gobble. Those hens will come by. And the, we, my brother and I, a few years ago, we sat up under a tree where he thought turkeys were roosted clear by. And that bird, the tom ended up being roosted in the, in the tree that we sat under. <laughs> and we, we watched a bird fly down and it was a hen. It flew down off to our left. And then that, that hen came by and went right in front of us at 50 yards. And it wasn't until that hen had passed by all of a sudden, this Tom dropped out of the tree like Batman right in front of us, 20 yards away. We had our guns pointed the wrong way. I wasn't prepared like I should have been. And that, that my brother swung on it and missed and that, that Turkey lived to see another day. But, but that's, I learned, I'm like, Oh wait, he didn't drop out of the tree until he saw that hen. It was visual confirmation uh, for him. So that's why I've, I've kind of gotten a little bit more interest in that getting close and playing the roost game, but you never know how that's going to play out. 
Um, yeah, I, mean, I think if you can, yeah, if you know where they're, if you know where they're roosted, it's very effective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard um, many like very successful turkey hunters even, and I, I, I personally use this same tactic. And the rule of thumb is to get above them. Yeah, if the terrain allows for it, you you want to get above them. Okay. Yeah, that's good it's, to know. It, I agree. I think it's a lot easier um, to call them uphill than it is to bring them down. Uh, they feel safer that way. And the killing field, we always set up on a tree. There is a pine tree up on top of this field, and um, we would call them up up in that field. We'd be up in the field like a good. We'd usually see them a long ways before they came in, right, Trav? And we'd. Be oh yeah, you could see them. And uh, yeah, so that's that's good advice. Well, let's get into. Um, we kind of touched on a little bit there, but different styles of hunting. Um, Trav, talk a little bit about run and gun and how you play that that versus maybe uh, sitting in a field or the, the roost game. How does that work for you? Uh, for me, I've killed. I've had some of my best turkey hunts uh, not going out until like nine a.m. Okay. Now I I like to be out there actually earlier so you, you can hear where they're at first thing. And a lot of times they'll they'll go with hens if you're not right in right in their grill when they fly down they'll they'll be with hens for a couple hours, and once they breed the hens and the hens go off to nest, um, usually around mid morning it, it seems like those those toms you heard gobbling on the roost they're going to start to fire back up again, and I I'll just walk a, a ridge line and uh, every twenty yards or forty yards I'll, I'll call and. What I really like to do is call as I'm walking, so it, it gets the move the impression that the turkey's moving. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's more realistic than staying in the same spot. But um, I'll just honestly, <laughs> one time I I I was walking I was walking one way on a ridge, walking north, calling. I got to the end of the property, and I started heading back the exact same way, calling along the ridge, and I about stepped on one. <laughs> It literally, he sounded off within 50 yards of me, just on the other side of some brush. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had probably came to my original calling. And then I, I made the pass back down the ridge, the same thing, same tracks. And then I, I ran into him on the way back down. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I think that's, uh, and a lot of times too, if I, if I can see a turkey from the, from the road, I'll, I'll try to get, even if it's on the neighbor's property, I'll try to get up in there um, on the property I can hunt. And, uh, you know, about mid-morning sometimes they'll break loose and, and then come up onto your property that way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's I don't know, that's what I like to do. I like to say moving. Um, like I say, if you're not if you're not in their lap off the roost, then, then sometimes you got to wait till that uh, later in the morning. Yeah. Um, but that's just my experience. And I'm sure there's multiple ways to, to go at it, but. No, that's, that's good. And I, I like to run and gun too. I all fall, I'm sitting in a tree, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sedentary, sedentary or whatever that word is, you know, with deer, you're sitting in a tree stand, you're in your saddle, you're not moving a whole lot. So whenever it comes to spring, I'll sit there for a little bit. I agree that, I mean, if you would have called and stayed in that spot, those birds probably, I mean, they came to that spot, so they may have came there, but just sitting there waiting, I, I much prefer getting up and calling as I go, like you do walk a few hundred yards, stop, listen, call. Um, a lot of times, a, I've bumped a lot of turkeys that way. You know, yeah. you just walk along. There's been a few times when I've been able to get to jump on some turkeys that way. So I've actually found that that mid morning Tom, a lot of times will hang up 75 yards out. 
Um, it's a good chance he's going to answer every call, gobble his head off about 75 yards out. And at that point, I like to, to go silent for a little bit, and then I'll start clucking and light yelps, and I'll walk directly away from him. Mm-hmm. And um, that usually he loses his mind at that point. And, and that walking directly away, um, a lot of times if you got two guys, leave one guy up and, and then – if, uh, if you're by yourself, I'll still walk directly away from them and then just sit down and go silent. And that yeah. usually pushes them over the edge. Last year or two years ago, Josh and I were hunting with Daniel uh, youth, during youth season, and we had turkeys hammering at us up on the ridge across from us. So it was a steep valley and about two or 300 yards across that went back up on another ridge. And we had we'd been talking to those turkeys for 45 minutes probably, and they hadn't budged. So I left Daniel and Josh sit there and then I just started walking directly away from them, clucking and yelping and they got hot. They got even hotter. I didn't think they could get any hotter. Um, and then pretty soon uh, one of them flew across that ravine and, and landed right in their lap. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's a good tactic with the running yeah. gun too. Don't, don't be, don't be afraid to walk away from them. That's, um, that's super solid. I, I um, with Kate's Turkey last year, uh, we were walking down past this spot. This bird gobbled up on this hill, right? You know, uh, basically there's a hill in front of us, a little valley, and then he was up on the next ridge. And so we climbed up on the hill and we were facing uphill, which isn't ideal. Like I would have much preferred to have been on top of that ridge, but I knew um, it was starting to crack daylight. We were a little behind. And that's the other thing. I should say this too. This is another little tip. The earlier you can get in the woods, I mean, you can play the nine o'clock game if you're doing running gun, and that's good. I mean, it's better than not going. But if you're going to try and do early morning roost, it's good to be earlier the better. I, I've heard it said, and I don't know if this is true, but deer are used to, or not deer, turkeys are used to things passing underneath their limbs in the in the pitch black. You think about deer walking by and other predators, they're up there sleeping, so you can get away with a little bit, you know, early in the morning. Um, <laughs> But if you get into that gray light, whenever it's just starting to crack daylight, I can't tell you how many turkeys I've busted off of a limb because I was too late getting in there and I was trying to sneak through the woods at that point. At that point, you probably are best just to sit down and wait for the sun to come up because, you know, you just have no idea where they're roosted at. They might not have called. So at any rate, this bird was gobbling. We got up on this hill, called, and that bird was hot. He came off the roost, flew down, and came within probably – 70 80 yards we just couldn't see him and he gobbled probably 40 times and i thought he's going to come into the decoys he's going to come in and then he started to leave and i think it was what you're talking about he was used to he should have seen a hen come to him by this point and so what i did is i got up and i ran up to the top of the hill kind of hanging you know not not peeking over the hill i didn't want a skyline but i started to call and that bird immediately got cut me off he started gobbling and i i went all at I hit him with every call I could go. I mean, I was cutting, I was yelping, and he was just firing off. And then I walked away. And I clucked the entire time I walked away and came right back down, sat down right by my wife, and I put my calls away. And that Mm -hmm. sucker came up and over the ridge, came right into the decoys, and my wife was able to shoot him. And I don't think that turkey would have came unless I would have gotten up, moved toward him, made it seem like I was interested, and then came back. You know, uh, risky tactic. You know, you got to make sure that you can get away with it. Uh, but that's something that worked yep. for me one time. Yeah, that that was that was a good way the terrain laid right there to let you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, Josh, tell me about your style. I don't even know if I really could put a, you know, you and I haven't turkey hunted a lot together. How, what's your style of hunting? How do you go about it? Uh, well, I typically, I mean, I, I like to get in there where I know that they're roosting and get, get you know, run it up on them. And usually you, you can, you can call on them, but, um, like you guys are kind of describing sometimes just not calling at all is better. Um, and you, and you're right when you say that the toms of the nature, the hen always goes to the tom. And I think it's the toms know they, they could possibly be smart enough to know like that <laughs> there's predators and we're one of them and we can make their noises. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but in nature, I mean, God designed it for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for the hen to go to the tom. But I also think that there's, uh, there's something to a hen kind of feeling the same as maybe that gobbler. Well, I can't see him. So sometimes maybe she'll even hang up. Like if she can't see him or he's gobbling out, maybe, uh, and I, I've heard it, you know, many people talking about this, a really good turkey hunter, Shane Simpson. And this is one of his strategies. If you just go quiet, usually maybe that gobbler might think, well, she can't see me, so I'm going to come and show myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, if okay. it, yeah, so sometimes if you just go quiet, they'll, they'll come they'll come to you. So that, that's kind of like a strategy that I use is basically what you guys are talking about. But usually if you don't kill them from what I've experienced in that first hour in the morning, <clears throat> typically you're in for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, you're going to be sitting there. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. sitting there until 9 30, 10 30, 11 o'clock because he's gobbler. what's happening. <laughs> what, what's happening if you don't kill him in that first? Can you explain that a little bit? Like, if you if well, you have a bird fired up in the morning, he's gobbling, but then he flies down and you're like waiting on him, waiting on him, waiting on him, and then the sun comes up and he doesn't show up. What What is probably mm-hmm. happening there? Well, what has probably happened is that the hen has already showed herself. So, unless you have a decoy that's right there where he can see your decoy from the very get go. Um, and the turkeys are very habitual creatures. They, and they'll do the same thing three, four, five times in a row, the same. They have a routine, just kind of like, a, you know, we do. And they know their hens, you know, they know, they know their calls. They know, and they just know them by their voice. And so mm-hmm. you'll see sometimes a gobbler responding to the hen, but not you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it could relate to that. He knows her voice, but he doesn't know yours. Yeah. That's good. And so they'll come out of the tree and they'll go, you know, they'll go the other direction. And but, but once they do all their breeding, you know, and all their breeding's done, typically I think a turkey tom will will uh, leave and he'll usually go to a place where he can just loaf. Strut zone. Yeah, like a strut like zone. Around, like around water, probably a creek, a shady area. Yep, Sometimes. and food even. Yep. Food. Just somewhere that he can chill out, you know, by himself or with a buddy and if you can get into like that loafing zone around 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh man. Typically that's when it's game over. <laughs> mm, that's a great, uh, you strike that gobbler at 10, 11 o'clock. You're like, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> uh, well, one, I'll throw in one more tip um, that I, I've learned. Like I said, I kind of hit this before this goes to a hunt with Riley and I, Riley uh, and I were going out one morning and we we're trying to get down over this hill to a spot where I thought it'd be good, but it, it was that gray light starting to be gray just a little bit. And I just didn't like how much noise we're making in the leaves. So I said, let's just sit down next to this big tree 
and did that. And then a bird, sure enough, we just got lucky. I mean, I'd, I'd heard birds there before in this spot, but 70 yards away, maybe 60, 70 yards away up the ridge and through the timber, bird gobbles. And so we, we get around the tree and kind of get set up. So Riley's facing toward them. And so I start calling and calling and calling. And this, this turkey just gobbles his ever-loving brains out, just nonstop. And I just kept calling at him. And, I, and I've been turkey hunting enough that I should know better. But here's why. Here's what's happening in my mind. And you guys can back me up if you, you agree. But what he's expecting is to see a hen show up. He knows that the hen is really close. And I'm making hen noises on my pot call or my mouth call. And he keeps on waiting. The sun comes up, and it's probably 20 minutes past daylight. And I keep calling. He keeps calling. And we're just going back and forth. And I think in his mind, he's thinking, where the heck are you? Why aren't you here? And so finally what I did, I was like, wait a second. I just need to shut up. And I need to wait for him to fly down before I call again. Because it makes no sense naturally why he's not seeing the hen. We're just around the bend. So I need to make him think that maybe there's another Tom or maybe that hen went away. Make him a little nervous. Play hard to get. And so I shut up. I shut up probably for less than, I mean, it was only five minutes. I shut up for five minutes. He flies out of the tree and I can see him fly down and he flies away from us. So right whenever he hits the ground, like I immediately start calling in. I hit him with a couple quick clucks, a little bit of yelps, and then he doesn't answer right away. So I, I give it another two minutes. And nothing. And I give, then after two minutes, I hit that cluck call and he cut me off and he hit hard. And I put the calls away at that point because I'm like, he knows where I'm at. He knows where I've been. He's either going to come or he's not. And next thing you know, we see a red jelly head coming through and, and Riley makes a 30 yard shot and drops his first Tom Turkey right there. You know, and it just, yeah. I learned, I learned in that hunt, we love so much to get a turkey to respond to us. Like, we love it whenever we call and they answer. We call, and you see it on the videos, and these guys get these birds. But that usually is best served when they are on the ground rather than when they're in the tree. It makes no sense to call it a turkey repeatedly while he's in the tree, you know, until he flies down. That's that's my opinion. What do you got? What do you guys, what's your reaction to that? For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, and, and then I like that popping cluck to finish them off, especially if you got their attention, if you give them a couple – couple clucks and they cut you off a lot of times you set it down and they're and they're coming you don't have to say anything else mm-hmm. um, not always um yeah. but i've i've finished a lot of birds with the clucks last year that turkey of mine was coming in he was maybe 100 yards out kind of acting a little sluggish about getting there and you hit him with like two maybe three clucks and he triple gobbled he triple gobbled without taking a breath it was <laughs> and then you put the call down and, and he did the rest once that yeah. that two clucks pretty much finished him yeah you um, whispered over to me i think that's good and i was like oh, i said that's good that's good i was like all right i'll put it down. i was like we don't want him to run out of oxygen here before we get the shot yeah. yeah yeah and and when that turkey is when you know he's getting close this is one thing that also popped in my mind riley kind of had his gun down in his lap on that hunt and I knew this bird just flew down. He's got to be within 100 yards. They can close the distance like nobody's di- nobody's business if they want to. So I said, mm-hmm. Riley, get your gun up. So he kind of got his gun up like into his elbow. And I said, Riley, I want that gun up so that you're looking down the barrel because he's about to come over this ridge. And the thing that we haven't talked about, that if you're brand new to turkey hunting, you cannot fool a turkey's eyes. Um, turkeys yeah, have – 
amazing eyesight. Like absolutely. The, the good thing is they don't smell. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about yeah. that. Like deer. But like their eyesight so many times I've just barely moved and they've caught that movement. Like as I came into a field or something like that, I got, got up your movements need to be real slow. Be ready. Be ready to take the shot. Like be ready to go because their eyesight. I won't, even if I have the gun on my knee, I won't raise it up to take the shot until his head's hidden. Yeah. I won't even, I won't even raise it to the last six or eight inches until I can't see his eyes. Yeah. Solid. So we, we touched on this a little bit, but let's talk about calls. Um, uh, let's, uh, Josh, I'll go over to you. Just give us a rundown real quick of the different types of calls um, that a person could use um, and what you recommend. And then uh, travel jump over to you too. So give us kind of, you know, if a guy's going into Walmart to buy his call or he wants to order one online, what's the option? Cause there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, there are definitely, there's a, there are several options when it comes to calling turkeys. Um, you can buy the owl calls, crow calls, and all that stuff to try to get a turkey to gobble. But on, on all honesty, uh, those are just like gimmicks, really. Is if you sit there long enough, you, you, you'll hear the crows gobbling in the or, sorry, the crows going off in the wild, and they'll do the job for you. You didn't have yeah. to spend the money on that crow call. Yeah. Um, but so for calling the turkeys, you can buy the mouth calls and a slate call. Some people call them pot calls. Mm-hmm. You can buy the box calls. Um, me personally, I started out with a slate call, uh, with a striker. It was just, it was easier for me to make a Yelp, a uh, consistent Yelp without a mistake with a slate call Same. than what Same. it was. Yeah. Than what it was for me to try to figure out this mouth call. And then, and then, um, from what I learned with the box calls, usually they have like a deeper, higher pitch or louder tone typically i think most people use those for locating the gobbler from a long distance Mm -hmm. so like a good well-rounded call is just your good old slate call yeah i agree with that trav how about you yeah i would agree slate call is is the easiest to use you can make um i think your purrs your clucks and your yelps are simple like i don't think you can make that loud clucking sound any more realistic with any other call other than that slate call and uh, <laughs> purring is really hard to do with a mouth call yeah. and slate call or, or is really hard to do with a box calls with with the slate call you can make a nice cute little purr you can do soft yelps you can go in and out from purrs to yelps to clucks to yelps and have a lot of control over it i have a jt pot call yeah. that i love there's probably a lot of good makers out there but um, man, I, I sound like a hero with that thing and I, and I'm not that great. I mean, I'm not that skilled, but, uh, I think, um, as far as mouth calls go, I mean, I'd start practicing a couple few months, um, before the season, but I don't really rely on that too much. I just, I mean, old faithful JT pot call. Now I will say running and gunning I've on the ridges. I've got some, I've, I've hit them with the pot call and not got a response and I'll pull that louder box call. Like Josh was saying out, I'll hit that box call and I might get one a good ways off to fire back at the box call uh, when they, when they weren't saying anything else, but yeah. yeah. Sometimes they answer to different things, which is interesting to me, but yeah, I, I started the same thing. I, I um, probably the standard is the box call. That's what your grandpa's grandpa used. You know, they've been around forever and it's a very simple 
you know, just about anybody with just a little bit of experience can run a, a box call. You can get a good three note Yelp out at five note Yelp. Uh, you can do clucks on it and it's, it's kind of the standard thing, but as far as just uh, being able to do some of that extra stuff, that's kind of why I went with a pot call. And I, I think I had just like a Primos glass call to start um, with those calls. What you need to do is probably watch some YouTube videos on how to do it. But basically with a pot call, it's either slate glass crystal or um, uh, what's the other one that JT makes. Trap? Yeah, the aluminum is another good one. But you're going to need to con- – most of those well. – Ceramic, that's what I was trying to think oh, of. Ceramic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, with those, you know, you get what you pay for. And I will say this. I have a JT pot call that I, my wife bought me for my birthday. It was more expensive. But the thing, it just sounds amazing. Uh, sounds really, really good. Um, but you're going to usually have to condition those with, like, some sort of sandpaper or some sort of uh, Scotch-Brite uh, works really good on them. And you're going to create a rough surface and you're going to get a, a pot stick and use that on there. Um, and it's, I love it because like you said, Trav makes good noises. The only issue with it is it usually requires two hands. Oh, so yeah. if you are going to, um, you know, if you're hunting by yourself or you're, you know, whatever, and you got a turkey coming in, like I said, sometimes it's good to have your gun up and it's a little tricky sometimes, you know, keeping track of your pot call and making sure that, you know, you put it down at the right moment. The other issue is a little bit of rain can sometimes make those things not work. Um, they can, they can mess with it. So I, I like, I like if you can learn how to use a mouth call, not everybody can, but practice that. Uh, that is such a good tool to have, to be able to be hands-free, especially if you just need a couple more Yelps or a couple little purrs or clucks. I'm not real good at purring on one. Um, I never have been great at that, but I can do the basics and it's, it's enough that I've killed some turkeys with a mouth call. So. I can tell you this. I've tried a lot of mouth calls, a lot of different cuts, and and I don't think I'm skilled at all. But the call, the mouth call that I've used the last two years, and I don't even buy another, any other calls now, is the uh, the Primos uh, Will Primos signature call. It's the yeah. Will Primos signature call, and that thing runs easy. I can make good yelps. I can make good cutting. Um, I have not found for me an easier call to run. Um, so maybe that would work for somebody else too, but the Primos makes dozens and hundreds of, but the, it's oh, the yeah. Will Primos, Will Primos signature. I've used that and one. Tried, and, and I've tried other Primos calls and they're not the same. I don't know. Will yeah. might put a little bit of his magic dust on that one. I don't know. <laughs> Josh, I mean, we're not sponsored or endorsed by anybody, but so Josh, go ahead. What's, what's your favorite go-to calls? Do you have any uh, brands or anything guys should look into? Um, I don't, I use the Primos as well. I mean, I, I've got a Primos, um, a ceramic call and, uh, I also have a Nightingale call that I think sounds really good. It's a slate call. Um, I think like you were saying in the springtime during Turkey season, there's usually sprinkling or rainy. So like as soon as your pot call gets wet, it's done. Like mm-hmm. unless you unless you've got a nice bright uh, brillo pad or some sandpaper on hand, typically you will not get that sound back very mm-hmm. easily. So some, I, I think really importantly, you definitely need to go to the woods with a mouth call as well, just as a backup, if anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll just say quick what I like to use. I use uh, Woodhaven has what's called a toxic orange. Um, uh, is the name of it. Woodhaven makes a lot of different calls, but that one works real well for me and I can get a lot of neat sounds out of it. 
what you need to do if you're interested in mouth call is there's a million videos out there. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but I will say that there are different types of cuts and different sizes. And you need to find a size that fits your palate in your mouth because not all they're the same. Some of them have like a lot of tape. And if you have an easy gag reflex, like I do, um, you got to be careful with those. Uh, also different, some cuts are just harder to get a sound out of. And some of them are easier. Um, left and right cuts are very specific to your palate or to your mouth. Um, mm -hmm. something down the center may operate easier. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, think yeah. that, I think that's that toxic orange is a center cut. And then the, the signature Will Smith is a, I think a, a, a center cut. Um, Will, Will, tried Will Smith. I didn't know Will Smith was oh, in the Will turkey. <laughs> he just, he just smack him in the face. He is good. Yeah, dude, Will, Will, Will Smith just walks up and slaps him, man. They don't even... <laughs> that's, a, that's the Will Smith signature series right oh, there. Oh, shit, man. That's what, everybody, that's what everybody needs is a, a Welcome to Earth. That's <laughs> Oh, man. Shoot. I'm sorry. Anyway, unless we can recover from that one. Oh, man. Yeah, real primos, okay. primos. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Tabby. It's down the center. And yeah. it, it, I've tried, I've tried left and right cuts, and I just sounds like a dying rabbit. But. Yeah, yeah, which is great for coyote hunting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So. not good for turkeys. All right, so there's calls. Uh, let's slide into this. Uh, I, I want to cover as much as we can in the amount of time we got. Decoys. Um, guys, uh, talk to me a little bit about that. It's intimidating. Uh, there's Walmart, $10 specials, foam and steak. There's Avian X and uh, Dave Smith decoys that look like the real thing that are over 100 bucks. What what works for decoys? And then we'll get into kind of how you use decoys. But like, what if you got to recommend a decoy for a beginner, what do you think they ought to get? <laughs> Not the Walmart $5 special. I will say I will say this about the Walmart five dollar special. If that's all you can afford, I think if you get a can of red paint and and brighten up the head and make it bright red, yep. you, it, it might help you a good bit. Um, I've yeah. all of my decoys I've painted because I'm not happy with the the tone that they come from the factory with. Now I've never owned an avian. I mean, I think well, I guess I have an avian hen, which is pretty nice. But yeah, um, you got a point. Yeah, I think bright that bright that bright red head on anything. Um, and now I I have I, I found a submissive look um, is good to getting them to come in. Um, well, I, it's every turkey's different. Every turkey on every day is different. So I, I can't guarantee you what's going to work every time. You know, I mean, I've had turkeys come into the decoys. They see the decoys. They hunker down and walk the other direction. I've mm -hmm. had turkeys come in, see the decoy. They start strutting and spin around 40 yards away for 20 minutes. I've had turkeys come in and see the decoys. They run right in and jump on top of them. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow that turkey would have done something different. I, I don't yeah. know. I And and I, I can't guarantee they don't work every time, but they work sometimes. It's a lot of fun when they do work. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think avian is realistic if you can afford one and, and it build your boost your confidence and makes you want to get out there and turkey hunt because your decoy looks realistic and you can afford it well then i think that's a good thing um uh, i don't know that's just kind of some of my thoughts on it yeah and uh, the first decoy i had was probably one of those 10 15 ones from walmart and i will say this it it did work it, it did get some turkeys in 
Um, in fact, I still kind of use it, but I have noticed whenever I'm out with somebody who has a nicer decoy, like you're, uh, you have a, I think it's called a lucky duck and it's like, yeah, a lucky sub- duck is what Shane Simpson uses and recommends. I think they're like $50. Yeah. And with it, with a paint job on that, on the head, I think they're one of the best submissive looking decoys out there. I, I, I have a funky chicken and I think <laughs> the funky chicken with his head up, that's an aggressive pose. Like, like with that head alert is aggressive. If, if they're kind of like mellow with their head tilted back and sunk into the body, that's a submissive look. Um, anything with that neck extended like that is a little bit aggressive. So that could yeah. make a difference. Yeah. I, I've noticed like last year I had those two Jakes come in and they came into my Jake and hen setup, and I had that old Jake, but I did paint it. Like you said, I, I painted it, made it look a little bit more realistic, but they came in slow. They didn't come in and just like jump on it. And uh, that's been most of my experience. I've had turkeys come into my decoys, but in that, and then I've seen other people that have decoys and the turkeys come sprinting in and try and whoop up on it. And so I, you know, you probably don't want to go dirt cheap, but you'd probably don't, you don't have to have an avian X or a Dave Smith decoy. That's, you know, breaks the bank. Um, Josh, what's your, what's your two cents there? Um, with, with the cheaper ones, one of the main things I've noticed is um, I've actually really missed out on some opportunities with them, not because of the way they look, but because of how white they are. Um, when you go stick them out in the middle of an open field, and you got them on that stake, there's really nothing that can hold that thing from turning. So every like little breeze that you get in the wind, mm-hmm. then things will start spinning, man. And I, I remember specifically a time I had a, a decoy out there like that. And it's just really light foam. And and there was a turkey tom come out strutting and strutting and strutting. And next thing I know, here comes a breeze and my uh, hen decoy does a complete 360 about two or three times. Mm-hmm. And, wow. That turkey's gone. Like what in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, so those are some turkeys. So and you have some options about decoys. So hen decoys. Um, you have different poses, submissive pose, breeding pose, things like that. You have your Jake decoys. That's probably my go-to. I like a Jake. I want a Tom to come. I'm not looking for the top gobbler. I'm just looking for some bird that's legal to come in for me to get a shot. And so a Jake often will bring in a thing. Uh, you can use a strutter, and that's the popular thing, but you've got to think about how many turkeys do you have in your woods? How many fights has that turkey already lost? Um, I've had strutters scare turkeys away. So mm-hmm. you got to think about those things. Um, but whenever it comes down to, let's say you got your decoys, what's your guys' like, strategy? Where do you put them out? Um, do you, when you're hunting in the woods, do you put them out in the woods, or do you – you know, fields, how, how do you put your decoys out? Do you need to have 30 birds out there? What does it look like? Both. I always use one decoy. I use one feeding hen. That's it. Okay. On public land, on public land, whatever decoy you're taking out, you have to be able to break that thing down because I would not catch myself out there on public land with a strutter decoy in my bare hands. You know, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Safety would definitely be an issue there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trap, how about you? Um, I think um, I think they need to to be able to see the red head of the Jake. Um, if they approach it from the rear and they can't see the red head, I had I, my dad killed one a few years ago. Um, the Jake was facing Jake decoy was facing us, and there was kind of a on the decoy was a ruffle of feathers blocking the head of the Jake. And we had this tom at about 
80 yards, 75 yards, and he gobbled, gobbled, strutted, strutted, hammered, answered everything we had. And it wasn't until he worked his way completely around to the side and could get a glimpse of the red head on the decoy. And then he broke and came right in. Yeah. Um, I, I think he may have thought it was a hen that he was trying to call out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he could, I, I guess that's what happened. Once he saw the visual on the red head, that's when he broke to come in. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think he can ever, I don't overthink it. You know, like if, if I'm yeah. hunting there, I just slap them out there and hope for the best, you know, I've killed them yeah. with decoys, without decoys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it just depends on the, what kind of mood the Turkey wakes up in that day or either dominant Turkey or submissive Turkey. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if you got a hen and a Jake and you stick them out there in front of you, 15, 20 yards and hope for the best. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, uh, the last turkey I, t- I tried to talk to was dead. He was already dead, so he, could, he, <laughs> he didn't. didn't t- he, would, uh, he wouldn't tell me what his favorite decoy setup was. So. <laughs> right. I nice. His, I was like, dude, come on, tell me. And he just laying there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So uh, I'm gonna give a, yeah. I'm gonna give a quick rundown. Okay, so I got my list of turkeys that I've killed, and I just want to give a quick rundown of decoys involved. First year, backyard, no decoy, called him. And I got into a, like a wooded area. I waited for him. To, he came looking. I put my call down. He came across my property line. I shot him. Uh, another one, Chav, you were there with me. I had a decoy. I think we had a Jake and a hen out. Um, and they were. we had them above us. We were in the wrong spot, but it worked out. Birds flew down. Two toms came running into that. And I, same, I'll, cut you off. I'll cut you off there a minute. I have noticed if there's more than one tom, they will they will most likely come in to kill it yeah it seems like it seems like the ones that hunker away are usually by themselves that's true that's true okay. um same year i called a bird up into that field and he came up in and that's whenever i got probably my most exciting footage you know to that point of a he came up and he circled my jake and then he slapped the crap out of it jumped up in the air and uh i had to shoot him twice um and then you and i had a hunt where we had a we had a uh, decoys out in the field, a Jake and a hen and uh, Turkey came in and you shot it. And then later on, um, I can, actually that might've been your first Turkey. That was the funky chicken. I think you had. Out oh there. yeah. That Jake came right in. He wasn't aggressive. He was curious. He's like, what yeah. in the world is this? Yeah. And then <laughs> we went into the woods and struck one up later and I put out the decoys, but I don't know. I think, I don't think tur- they ever saw, they never saw it. I may have think. swung down, but he actually seemed sketch, you know, scared about it. So, Actually, I, I kind of prefer sometimes if there's a decent amount of cover, I almost don't want decoys in the woods. Yeah. One, because of safety. Sometimes, like, you don't know who. I've had people bumped into people crossing property lines. And if you're sitting behind a, I definitely don't want to use a, a strutter, like, in the woods. I only use a strutter out in the open field. Um, mm. But the uh, that can work sometimes if there's an opening in, like, some oak flats or things like that. But typically in the woods, I'm just trying to play the terrain. Like I want to get in a spot where he has to come over a hill and look or something like that. Yeah, um, I agree. I did kill. I was there one time. Now, we haven't talked about reaping. Have you guys ever done that? Get behind the fan and go at one? No. I've tried. I've tried it. I've, my dad's killed one with my reaping decoy, but he wasn't using it to be, you know, reaping with. I had that right out in front of me. So the first thing that turkey saw when he crested the hill was this turkey reaping fan and he came at me like a ninja. Yeah. I I think if a guy was starting out, I would encourage them not to do that. Um, 
you see it on YouTube. If you want to look up videos of what we're talking about, it's called reaping turkeys or whatever. But basically, you put a, a turkey fan or a turkey decoy uh, strutter in front of you. You can go right out the, at the turkeys out in an open field, tuck behind the tail, and stick it in the ground whenever he starts coming, and you pop up and you shoot him. Um, you can do that. It's exciting. I've had it work one time uh, with me and Wyatt, a situation uh, where birds, we saw them. They weren't coming into my calls. I just had it out in front of us just in case, you know, um, we saw them. And sure enough, I popped up over the ridge and there was two strutters, a Jake and a hen all going together. And these birds, I, I, we just dropped to our stomachs. I stuck it in the ground and these birds ran into to 10 yards. I missed mine and Wyatt shot his. And that's the only time I've had it work. Which I think once, once again, multiple birds there. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. So all that to say, it's a fun way to hunt. There are guys that definitely think it's unethical and think it's cheating or whatever. There's also the safety aspect. You would never want to do that on public land. Um, you know, just too many people might be tucked in the woods and see they, they might shoot at you and that's not good. So it's a fun way. That's a fun way to hunt, but I would just, I, I put value in learning how to call, learning how to set up, learning how to use your decoys in a way to, to draw the birds to you um, is what I encourage guys to do. So, but yeah, uh, decoys can be a major part of it. Uh, super helpful. Um, there's a lot of more that we could probably cover. I just want to ask this uh, to both of you. What do you think the biggest mistake is that you've made <laughs> uh, in the past? If you look back at some of your seasons, maybe just anything rise to the top, like biggest mistake that you've made hunting-wise for turkeys. Um, I think for me, it would be leaving too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been there's been times where I had to call from a spot and I'd get up. And I I always say now curiosity always kills the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would get up and go, you know, start working off to go to a different area. And then next thing I know, literally a turkey gobbles right where I was at. If I would have mm-hmm. just stayed there, I could have potentially had a shot. Yeah. Uh, and even last year, uh, I took or Matthew Pollock uh, uh, invited me out to one of his family farms, and we're sitting there calling out these turkeys and they had already left the field, went down over the hill. We looked at each other like an hour later, should we move? And I, this is exactly what I told him. I said, curiosity always kills the cat. I said, mm-hmm. let's stay here. Let's not move. Or we'll stay here. We literally sat there in that spot for, I think, three hours. And then sure enough, them turkeys made a big old cir- uh, circle. And they came out and popped out. And they came right up to 30 yards. We both, we, we doubled. We both got a turkey that morning. Mm. Okay, That's so patience, patience kills more gobblers. I, I hear yes. you. I hear you. That's good. All right. Trav, how about you? Well, I think um, a couple things. I, one thing I regret, I, there was one evening, it was towards the, like the last week of the season, and I was pretty burnt out and exhausted. And I actually watched two toms fly up in a tree. And the next morning, I chose not to go hunting. So, <laughs> <laughs> so go back to being out there kills kills the, the I, I think back about that I'm like why didn't I go out there and get on those so that being out there and spending the time that you have available and then shooting your gun and being familiar with it so uh, I come to find out my Remington 870 the bead on it is very reliable it's the same place every time but my the center of my pattern is about six or eight inches below the bead so um, if I want that pattern to break the neck and hit the neck I got to kind of sit the bead on top of the turkey's head. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, if you watched that video from my turkey last year, I kind of held it on the neck 
and, and it kind of looks like I body shot that turkey. I think I hit him in the breast. Um, there was one year I had a turkey at 10 yards, and this was before I was real familiar with my gun. Um, I held that, I held that um, bead kind of right on the base of his neck, um, and I shot under him. I shot right under him, maybe grazed the breast. Um, and then, um, so, I mean, I think being understanding your gun and mm -hmm. um, being familiar with how your gun patterns and knowing yep. your effective range too, I think is, is something that you might think about, but absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Every year uh, we sight in our guns and that's something that I, I definitely try and do because I've learned that. I, I think people think like, you know, I could shoot a slug at a deer and it's 20 yards and I can hit that. So surely I can hit a turkey, but we don't know different and also different types of ammunition fire differently. You know, it's, it's, um, the, different types of pellets and how many shot and all that stuff. The TSS obviously is going to fly differently. That's some, that's what I like to use. I I've been using my daughter I bought it for my daughter. And I think this year she's actually going to get a go. Um, we're going to start practicing, but um, it's a Stevens 301 Turkey gun and it shoots TSS. And I feel very confident out to 40 yards with that. Um, and that's, that's a long shot for a 410, but I practice in the backyard. I have a lot of beads hitting the head whenever I practice. So I think that's that's really good advice, Trav. Um, don't just don't just pick up your gun and go the next morning and think that. I mean, you might get. Hopefully, it happens and and maybe it can work out for you. But it's always good to pattern your gun beforehand and know to know what that range is. That's super yeah. good advice. I'd say that's the most important thing. Really, we probably should have touched on that first. But yeah, that's yeah. that's got to be the most important thing right there. Yeah, I mean, last thing you want to do is injure a turkey or or hurt one. You know, that's 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 not good. So. Um, well, the, I think, the walk back, the walk back to the truck's longer when you miss one. Oh, oh. yeah, and you're just like, gosh, <laughs> it was right there, right there. <laughs> yeah, um, but you will. I, I'll tell you this though, you will eventually miss, probably if you yeah. hunt long enough. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't, but you know, yeah, I think a lot of people. <laughs> hunt that. I'm just kidding. I have. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've missed. <laughs> I, so I don't like to use a gun. I like to go up and slap him in the face all Will Smith style. Well, you like to go Will Smith on him, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, hope he never, I hope he never listens to this. Poor Will. So. Yeah, he'll, he'll, slap slap he'll, slap yeah. he'll slap us. Yeah. So my biggest mistake, I think, is not being ready or being alert. Um, from the moment you get into the turkey woods and you have legal shooting light, well, even before then, <laughs> Till, till you leave, you need to be alert and ready. Um, the reason I say before is because so many times I've gone in trying to get to a destination and I bump birds off the roost. I didn't go like a ninja <laughs> slow and take my time and sit down. But once daylight comes, like, like you said, Josh, you just never know when a bird's going to show up. And they show up silent so many times. Um, this right. past year with Riley, uh, on opening day, I shot a turkey, shot that tom, went and got Riley. We went on a hunt together over at another spot and got in there and we heard, had a bird goblin across this ridge. We got over there and we called and we called and nothing, you know, nothing's going on. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, this bird flew up on a roost. It flew up on a limb right in front of us. I'd never seen this before. He jumped up 20 yards and got up on a limb. And I think he did it so that he could see into the brush where we were hiding. <laughs> like I have no other explanation. And it's just like, oh my gosh, there he is. Like he was coming and I had no idea. He flew down and, and Riley, unfortunately, wasn't able to get the shot on him uh, the way he wanted. But another quick story about that is my father-in-law is not a turkey hunter, but he decided to go and film me a few years ago. And we had birds calling and we were close a few times. And there was these birds that went down into this ravine 
And I came around the edge of the ravine and I was trying to call them out and they wouldn't come. So I tried to circle around and all of a sudden I look up and I see two birds running away across the field. I was like, shoot, they must have, they must have just saw us and moved, but they kind of look like hens. So we're walking back and we could either cut across the field and walk straight to the truck or we can walk the wood line. And I told my father-in-law, I was like, why don't we just walk this wood line just in the, just in case one would happen to be down in there. So I'm walking down this wood line and I'm looking down over this ravine and then I'm kind of looking off to my left and I look down to my right and I just make a quick little call and all of a sudden two red heads just pop up like, and they're 40 yards, 30 yards away down over this hill. I pull up and I just shot one of them. <laughs> like, and it was just like, I mean, like out of nowhere, I didn't deserve that. What it was, those two turkeys, they hadn't left. It was the hens that we had bumped. And these two toms were just left down there, just hanging out. And I mean, I just pulled up and shot one. You just never know. So many times, uh, Trav and I, you remember the one time we were sitting there and we called, called, called. We stood up and looked over our left-hand shoulder and there's a giant turkey just standing there looking at us and turns around. and 20, yard, 20 yards away, dude. If we would have given it another five or ten minutes, he would have waltzed right into us. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Big old nar- That was right when we started. We didn't know. Like, yeah. and, <laughs> he, and was, he was, yeah. It's the only way to know is to get out there and try it, right? Like, we've been at this since I've been at it since 2014, and I still like have years where it's just been a struggle fest. Can't get on birds, or I get on them and they go the other way. But I'm, I feel like I'm learning more and more tactics, and I think that's a big thing. So if you are a seasoned hunter, but you're just doing the same thing over and over, and it works, and you want to keep doing that, go for it. But for me, I kind of got like I love the killing field, but I really wanted to learn how to roost them. In the last couple of years, I've had some really awesome hunts, getting in close and figuring that out. So it's always good to try and learn something new and, and kind of expand the game, become an all around turkey hunter. But it's it's all based off of your terrain too, trying to figure that out. So this any other I'm tips, gonna, mis- gonna, mistakes? This year, I think I'm going to try to slap one to death. I like it. I'm sorry. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we've covered a lot. Um, I'm going to throw in just a little bonus question here. Um, what if you're like us and you're trying to film your hunts? How do you film a turkey hunt? Can you give us just some closing advice? Uh, how, how would you go about that process? Because we've done it and it's tricky. Just, what are some ways you do, do it? Don't do it. Just leave, leave the camera at home and enjoy your hunt. That's a really, yeah. that's the great advice. It is, really. It really is. <laughs> You Remember how we talked about their eyeballs? Yeah, their eyes are hard to – yeah, so you got this extra little thing that you're trying to move around. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would uh, say uh, – uh, my advice is if you're wanting to make a nice quality video, you're going to need to want it to have a lot of B-roll, and you're going to want to tell the story well outside of the kill shot because the kill shot may not be that great. Um, I think another thing is a head-mounted camera is great, and – uh, so once you have the turkey, you think committed, you may just open up your camera, zoom out, point it in the right direction and hit record and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially I've been using uh, like a, a GoPro on a stake. It's a selfie stick, but it's got a ground stake on it and I'll just stick it behind me, point it in the direction. I think they're going to come from hit record. I mean, hopefully you have a lot enough memory and enough battery to get you through. Um, but if you've got a turkey coming in and you can see his eyes you're going to have to wait you're not going to be able to move that camera i mean you're going to have to hope that if if you don't have it you're going to have to hope he either gets behind a tree for long enough or he fans out and turns away from you so you can get the camera on 
other than that, you're just going to have to make the decision. Do you want to kill the turkey off camera or do you want to spook him? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think I think you're just going to have to to think about that. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's my thoughts. But good thoughts. Yeah. Josh, how about you? Yeah, it's Travis here. He's exactly right. You know, if you're, if you're going to be filming turkey hunting, uh, self-filming, yeah, you're definitely going to want to hit that record button like beforehand, like a long time beforehand. Um, and I would like highly encourage if, if you really want to get your turkey kill on camera, just invite somebody, you know, it's, a, it's not going to hurt to invite somebody to go out with you. And if, if not, then, just do what you can. It doesn't have to be perfect. We're not professionals in this, but um, I do know there's there's been one instance where a camera costed me a turkey. Um, I had my camera camouflaged. I put stuff on it so that way the metal didn't shine in the sun and you know all this and that. But I think that turkey picked up on my camera lens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, itself, and it started putting, and I'm sitting there thinking. I haven't moved an inch. Oh, wow. I'm not even calling at this turkey. I'm sitting here waiting on him to come, come into my decoy. And, but my camera had already had it pre-positioned and recording. And I'm telling you, that turkey had to have picked off my camera lens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may look like a big eye to them. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Turkey filming turkey hunts, I think is harder in some ways than deer hunts um, because you're on the ground, your eye level, their eye, their eyes, you can't fool them. Um, you know, it's, it's different. I think the reason that if you guys just Google, go on, go on YouTube and look up turkey hunting videos, you're going to find that a lot of them, they either one have a cameraman or two, they're in a blind because in a blind, you can get away with a lot more. Um, and so I, I think that that's, I hate, I absolutely despise hunting turkeys out of a blind. Um, you can't hear where they're coming from. You, Yes, you can get some, like Shire and I, we had some amazing footage there two years ago, uh, opening day, um, shot my Tom, and it was great footage, but I, I mean, you get outside and all of a sudden you're like, hey, there's a turkey goblin, and I bet you he was gobbling the whole time, but inside that blind you can't hear, and sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant about blinds, they're a great way to kill turkeys, I just hate it, I want to be out in the open, I want to hear them, um, but that does present problems with filming, so things I've done. If you got a tripod, get some like go to Joanne Fabric or some sort of like place and get some like biny um, uh, thing, like some sort of like gilly type material to put on your tripod. Like you said, Josh, try and cover up as much as your camera as you can. Um, the other thing I do is I get some of that green leafy stuff, and I uh, sometimes will use that as like an extra little blind just to kind of cover up my legs in a situation. So I'm not like in a blind; it's just kind of like a staked out blind. Uh, for years, that's what we did in the killing field, right, Trav? We would just put out a little little yeah. blind to kind of cover up our lower half and have our guns up on stakes, um, which is another yeah. thing that you can do is if you have one of those little shooting stakes or a monopod, have that out ready to roll. Um, another little tip. But, yeah, for filming, I like to have a GoPro, and I like to put it behind me um, or up on a branch. And my GoPro, I have it set so that I can use my phone, so I can reach down, especially if I have that little bit of blind in front of me, reach down get on my phone real quick and and hit the record button from the GoPro app. And that gets the GoPro going. And then once I have turkeys like in range, let go of the camera, hit record and hope I get it on film. (laughs) That's the the best I can do. Tacticam now and it's got a remote and uh, Shane Simpson's probably one of the best ever self-filming turkeys. And uh, 
Easily. Um, he, he uses he uses a 360. Basically, it's a GoPro that does that gets 360. Yeah, and that's I think awesome. he just he just puts it on a stake, and um, I mean he he does pretty good with that. I think. Um, and also one other thing I, I'll touch on is if you're going to sit still and wait these guys out and and not get busted moving, you need to be comfortable sitting there. Mm. And the, oh, the so, most comfortable yeah. most comfortable thing we found is those. Uh, hunter specialty stools um they're like hs a, yep. a, hs they're like a little stool that sits about six inches off the ground with like a like a woven weave nylon seat and they are the perfect height and you can sit still comfortably for for long term um and, that, and i think that makes a difference i will drop a link in the show notes guys so um you guys can find those those were a game changer my brother introduced me to those we used to get the turkey chairs and they were kind of heavy for gun and run they almost look kind of like loud little, too and bulky yeah yeah bulky and they'd get you up off the ground but yeah no joke like nothing worse than your legs going completely numb and you got a turkey starting to come in and you're just miserable. It's meant to be a relaxing, fun hunt. Um, so yeah, you get that HS chair and what's cool is either side will pop up. So if you're on a hillside, you just pop up the one side and it actually levels you out. Um, so that you're not like constantly sliding down the hill or sliding off your seat. Um, those things and they weigh virtually nothing. So I'll drop a link. Uh, those mm -hmm. are, those are huge. And then you can also, Fold them up and then you can slap smack the turkey in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Back to slapping turkeys. That's what we're going to uh, call this episode is slapping turkeys, I think. Shoot. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Too much violence. Um, one more. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking of things. And if you guys have anything else, we can keep rolling. People should be taking notes if they're new to this. Um, when you get to the base of your tree, um, unless you think that turkey is like 10 yards away or up in a roosted tree, clear out the leaves from beneath that tree if you can. Um, get yourself some soil underneath of you so that whenever you need to turn, because inevitably a turkey will be coming in, you'll think he'll be coming in straight on, and then you'll look over your left-hand shoulder and he's decided to make some stupid circle on you. And then you got to move. And when you move and you crunch those leaves, game over. So that's a, a thing I've learned pretty much any time whenever I get to the base of a tree or I sit down with my back to a tree, um, which is another good thing to do is have some, some something behind you, something to kind of break up your silhouette um is helpful being in the shadows uh clear out those leaves that's a that's something i've done so any other tips you guys have josh you have anything else up your sleeve um just if differentiating the two hunting methods that we've kind of discussed is the running and gunning style versus uh just sitting and waiting um, one thing i have i've learned is the running and gunning is a very aggressive uh type of way so if you've only got one place to hunt mm -hmm. um You've got a long season, really. It's a marathon. It don't have to be a sprint. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're out there and you just sit and wait, um, you're not really hurting anything. Yeah. Now, if you're running and gunning on this one property that you've got to hunt, you're putting pressure yeah. on these birds, they will leave. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Don't base your hunting off of YouTube videos and what you see. Uh, people hunting out in Kansas and Wisconsin and other places or people hunting in the south, we all have it different. So, best thing you can do is go sit in your woods and learn your woods where you hunt. And then if you can get some other properties, that's awesome. You know, so that you can, you know, if you, I love to run a gun. I love being able to move and not stay in one spot. Like that's, that's something I enjoy. I will, I have become more patient, but that's part of what's fun to me about turkey hunting. Um, but, but like, that's a really good point. You can't, you got to be careful and know that you can't do that on every property or you're going to mess up the rest of your season. Yeah. So, and also one thing to think about, Josh, that brought up a good point. Like, uh, 
you know, if you have a property to hunt and you know, there's turkeys there, they may not be there every day. If you, if you remember Josh, the Kelly property, it seemed like turkeys would be on that property maybe one or two days a week. And then the other days they weren't, I think, I think there's something to a property. If you hunt it with low pressure day after day, eventually they may show up on that property. Um, Mm -hmm. So yes, don't be discouraged. If, If you know there's been turkeys on the property, and you go out to hunt, and, and, and there's not there, well, maybe in a few days they might be back or they might be there. Um, oh, yeah. So that's, I don't know, something to think about. No, that's good. I, and I think that's part of it is, um, you know, uh, once again, gaining pro- permission and properties, and it comes down to preseason scouting is helpful, in-season scouting kind of observations. Um, the other thing that's really, uh, I didn't talk, just one more tip, rainy days can be some amazing days of turkey hunting. Um, yeah. and the reason for that is during rainy days, turkeys often will go to fields. Um, they love being in a field whenever it's rainy. I don't know if it's just, they don't like not, not a torrential, torrential downpour, maybe not, but like, I'm talking like a nice light spring rain sometimes is like a really good time to play that field game, especially if you see rain in the forecast or whatever. Um, I don't stay in bed. Those are some, some of my best hunts have been on those kind of days getting out there and just, uh, enjoying, I mean, bring a little, <laughs> bring some rain gear, make sure you got your camera gear covered up. It's hard to film in it, but, uh, that's, that might uh, be why you had some of the best hunts cause you weren't filming that. Well, I, no, I still filmed. Uh, <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you guys remember the story I told you a little bit ago about Batman dropping out of the tree. The reason we didn't kill that bird is because I had my camera in my lap because it was uh, the rain was uh, pouring a little bit that morning, and I was covering up the camera inside my lap, and I didn't have my gun up. <laughs> so oh, I told my brother, I was like, "You got to shoot him." I got the camera in my lap. I can't move. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, and then what? Well, I guess that's one way to end is go into turkey hunting. If you're new at it, you're going to have struggles. It is one of the most some days it is the easiest thing that you will ever do, and some days it seems impossible. Um, and I remember whenever it seemed impossible, and all it, all it takes is just a little bit of luck, the right bird, the right moment, the right setup, and it can, it can happen. So I think just being willing to kind of roll with the punches, to keep a positive attitude, and, and keep at it, I think that's probably my biggest tip, my biggest takeaway is, is to – and you've know, got to be in the woods and go out there and, and give it a go, but don't go in thinking that it's going to be easy because it's not always right. Sometimes it is. But most Sometimes. Of the time there, Turkey is so funny. He'll make you feel like a hero one day and then he'll just <laughs> um, slap you the other day. Oh man, the Turkey slap. All right. Mm-hmm. All well, right. So, guys, if you want to see some of the stuff that we've done, I'd encourage you to go over on YouTube. Each of us have at least one. I know um, we have we have probably six or seven different turkey videos and things that we've done. And we try, especially in the more recent ones, we try and explain what's happening and show maps and um, kind of talk about it. Another great resource, I mean, it's no no secret, the hunting public guys, um, hunting what they, doing what they do on public land. Uh, in the way that they do their videos and explain, go soak up some knowledge. Like that is a great way to learn. Shane Simpson's another one. Go out and just try and don't just watch the ones where don't just fast forward till the kill shot. Try and understand what they're doing in the hunt. And, um, you know, I love watching kill compilations and watching those turkeys flop. That's all fun. But if you want to learn, 
go out with somebody in the woods, watch those videos, and then just go out and learn and have fun. It's going to take some time, but big thing to me, and I guess this is what we'll wrap up with, there's nothing like God's creation in the spring woods. I love the fall. I love the foliage. I love hunting deer. But something about those early mornings and the, the whippoorwills and then those birds start hammering on the roofs. It's just, it's just so cool the way God has made things, the way he's made nature and how we get to go out and just be a part of it. I, I love that. How about you guys? Man, it's epic. Oh, my goodness. It makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up right now just thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. The yeah. smell, just the smell of the air. Yeah. It's oh, like man. so much like new, new life and growth after the hard, cold winter. It's yeah. just like, it's like the earth is regenerating and, and you get to be part of it. Yeah. That's a cool thing. Well, guys, I really appreciate you coming on for another episode. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of topics there, covered a lot of stuff. There's more to learn. I have a lot more to learn. I'm excited to get into the woods this, this April and, and learn some more and um, uh, hopefully be with you guys on some of those hunts and enjoy that. So thanks so much for another, uh, another time that you've given to me and sharing some of your knowledge. You bet. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Everybody Thanks. else, go out and slap a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. See you. All, All right. right. Bye. Man, what a fun episode. Really love that. Love the chatting about turkeys. Just gets me excited. So I hope something there was encouraging to you. Hope something helped you. Uh, maybe some little nugget that we, we talked about um, might help you this coming turkey season. And if you ever have any questions or things like that that you just want to run by us, like I said, not experts, but we're happy to help in any way that we can. We know some experts. We've had experts on the podcast before. Send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com, or send us a Facebook message. We'll do our best to get back to you quick. Um, Just want to read a quick verse to you that just kind of popped in my mind as we think about spring and, and the season. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, this time of year can be a depressing time uh, that we're in, you know, with the leaves off, gray, bleak weather, chilly, cold. But at least here in Ohio, I love that we have all four seasons, and I love the spring. It's that emerging from that cold winter to the leaves coming on, the flowers coming up. Uh, Josh mentioned that smell in the air, um, God watering the earth, and all of a sudden it's just like these birds chirping. Just nothing like that being in um, being in the springtime woods. And I just think that, that can also be a picture of maybe our hearts. Sometimes we can have a hard heart and things are kind of rough. We go through hard times, challenging moments, and it just feels like a winter that's going to last forever. Um, but we have a God that makes things new. Uh, he can soften our hearts. He can change us. He can transform us. He can make uh, new life come out of dead things. That's what God is just fully capable of doing. And so I, I just hope that that is something that you can lean into today. Maybe you're coming out of a bad spot. Spring's coming. Hang in there, keep rolling, keep praying, and maybe God will uh, allow that to come for you and something that you can enjoy. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Hope that you come back for another one next week. And until then, remember to shed the light.